all of these communities are, are just trying to make their cities more and more attractive for people to invest in and to live. And they have to feel safe and they have to feel like uh, it's a fun place to live and walk around. And uh, access to housing there is, is a key component and an emphasis on a daily basis. There's, that's a lot of money that we're anticipating going into housing, 1.4 billion. And it's going, it takes a long time to spend that money, believe it or not. And, and we have to be ready to help them spend it. Welcome to Deals and Developments, a real estate podcast from the Dykema Law Firm. I'm your co-host, Rochelle Lento, leader of Dykema's Affordable Housing Practice Group. And I'm going to um, let my colleague, Jared, introduce himself. Thank you, Rochelle. Yeah, I'm Jared Smith, leader of Dykema's Public Finance Practice Group. And for more episodes, you can find us at dykemapodcast.com, youtube.com slash dykemalaw, or by searching Deals and Developments wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, we'll be discussing how our practices in the arena of affordable housing development and public finance come together and how money flows into those areas and into our communities. So my practice is part of the real estate group in the Dykema Detroit office, but my entire focus is on affordable housing. And I work primarily with nonprofit developers who are building low-income housing for families and or seniors in the metropolitan Detroit area throughout the state of Michigan. Um, I've been with Dykema for uh, 17 years. Um, prior to being at the firm, I was a clinical law professor at the University of Michigan Law School and developed and ran a clinic for nonprofit developers in this same field. Having come to Dykema in the last 17 years, my practice has remained consistent. However, I've managed to um, really upscale the number of transactions and the types of transactions and the complexity of those transactions that um, I do here at Dykema. And I'll turn it over to Jared to talk a little bit about his practice area. Thanks, Rochelle. Yep, I'm the uh, I'm the public public finance practice group leader for Dykema. I'm in our Lansing, Michigan office. Um, however, a lot of people listening uh, will know public finance uh, is really federally tax guided, and so while we're here in Michigan, we can have a role in transactions uh, nationwide. So, our practice is principally here in Michigan, um, Lansing, Detroit, and, and every other city as well but uh, there are applications federally. So the, the, these transactions go uh, well outside of, of just our state border. With that said, my background started with the Michigan Attorney General's office. So uh, still in a public finance role, but uh, focused on state level bond transactions. And that's really what that equates to is, is uh, the, the selling of bonds uh, that are uh, the interest on those bonds are tax exempt. And then the money from that sale is used to finance all types of projects that have a public or government purpose. So whether that's uh, state roads or schools or just revenue streams for the state treasury or capital improvement projects for schools or some type of municipality, cities, townships, villages. So um, one of the ones we just closed last year was uh, new public safety facilities for the city of Lansing. 
capital improvement bonds. So it's all types. And, and that's what led me to Dykema. Private practice gave me the opportunity to do and serve more clients than just uh, state level transactions. However, one of our largest clients is the Michigan State Housing Development Authority, which we'll talk about more um, addressing specifically housing needs in Michigan. So similar to what Jared just described, I'll give you a sense of what does it mean to have an affordable housing practice? What do we do as an affordable housing lawyer um, for our clients? So as I mentioned, my clients are primarily nonprofit developers, but large nonprofits that are doing um, affordable housing developments, mostly in their communities that they serve. And as their counsel, um, we will get involved in those transactions really from um, the very beginning stages and all the way through all aspects of due diligence. So what that means is initially we may be involved in the acquisition of a site and acquisition of a site is usually coupled not only with identifying if there's title issues or encumbrances on the property, but also figuring out what the applicable zoning is and whether that zoning um, is allow, allows the type of development, if it's a new development in particular. We would also be involved in evaluating the environmental conditions of the land if it's new construction and determining if there are any underlying environmental conditions that need to be addressed. So that part of the process is usually referred to as site control. And once we have site control, the, um, our clients would normally be then in the process of applying for various types of funding from a number of different agencies. Um, MISHTA, as Jared mentioned, is an agency that is involved really in every single affordable housing transaction that's done in the state of Michigan, especially if it's rental housing, but really any type of affordable housing. So once um, an application for financing is um, being put together, we would assist the client with some organizational structuring um, in Michigan, um, particularly in the area of low-income housing tax credits, which is the primary driver of affordable housing in, in most deals. Um, it requires a specific type of partnership or limited liability company called a limited dividend housing association that we would assist the client with structuring. Um, beyond the organizational structuring, title, and environmental, we would also assist the client with just a host of um, due diligence matters ranging from review of an architectural agreement, review of a construction contract, review of a management agreement, um, review of any um, you know tax issues that affect the deal, and then perhaps the most important piece is reviewing all of the loan documents. And in most transactions, it is... Um, typical to have the city of Detroit, if it's a project in the city, will provide financing. As I said, MISHTA is on every transaction. And then often there's, there's also financing from the Housing and Urban Development Department. So that kind of gives you an overview of the, the types of things and services that we provide to clients. And the, the, the goal is getting from commitment, which is obviously what you want once you've submitted the application for financing commitment to closing. Closing means closing on all of the construction financing, as well as if it's tax credit deal, getting equity from an investor. And that gives the client the ability to start construction or start rehab on a project. So I often say that the process is getting from commitment to closing. That process can take anywhere from three months to three years. It really depends on what's going on with a particular project. Um, 
sometimes people ask, what's a typical transaction? And my answer to that would be there is no typical transaction, really. Um, there are some examples. I can give you uh, an example of one that we just closed on last year. Um, it was a multi-building historic rehab in southwest Detroit. Um, deal is called Hubbard Farms, and um, it involved the uh, rehabilitation of um, three historic buildings by our client, Southwest Housing. And that transaction really took a very long time because of some underlying environmental um, conditions that happened at one of the sites. But um, just to give you a sense of the financing, the financing for that was um, home dollars or federal dollars from the city of Detroit, um, what's called 4% tax credits and tax-exempt bond financing from MISHTA, which involves getting um, your construction and permanent loan from, from the State Housing Authority. It also involved historic tax credits because of the uh, historic nature of the buildings. It also involved some funding from the state through the Brownfield, through a Brownfield grant that Eagle administers because of some environmental conditions on the site. And then um, it also had what's called a housing assistance payment contract or a HAP contract that gets administered and is actually from HUD. So that gives you a sense of, you know, the complexity of some of these um, projects. And as I've mentioned, on every project, the State Housing Authority is involved. On that type of a transaction, they are really the bank. They're the direct lender because of the tax-exempt bond financing as well as the 4% credits. The other type of transaction we frequently do is a 9% tax credit deal. And in a 9% deal, the state awards the tax credit reservation, but is not quite as heavily involved as in a 4% deal. In a 9% deal, you're likely to have a construction lender, your tax credit investor, and possibly some other soft financiers on the, on the project. So I've given you a sense of a sort of typical deal and what the scope would be in, in our practice. And I'll turn this back over to Jared to perhaps give an example of his work. That's great. And, and I think, uh, thank you, Rochelle, that, that that's helpful. Your projects and, and a big reason why we're doing this discussion is, is focused on specifically affordable housing on a project by project basis that uh, directly and immediately impact residents in a, in a given neighborhood, in a given municipality. Uh, so my practice, uh, especially as it relates to MISHTA, Michigan State Housing Development Authority, is more at a state level and more focused on just keeping revenue flowing into the housing market. Um, by the time it gets to one of my transactions in its uh, single family program, we're really, um, really just financing proceeds secured by a multitude of single family mortgages. Uh, and those payments literally are security for the bonds the proceeds of which obviously are to purchase mortgages from other lenders or to allow Mishta to continue making loans, um, down payment assistance loans or mortgage loans to various homeowners on their insured mortgages all over the state. So um, double checking my number here, but in, you know, we talked about the successes in 2023, uh, Dykema participated in over $857 million in bonds uh, for Mishta's single-family program, so um, housing market I've, as, is is a hot one right now, and they're making loans as fast as they can 
they're depleting their short-term credit facilities and repaying them with these bonds as fast as we can get the transactions out the door. So um, ours are, are very specifically, we don't get in land acquisition. We deal specifically with the tax requirements to structure a bond transaction so that the interest on those bonds uh, is tax exempt. And that, that's the value of a public finance practice and attorney or securities where you're, if you're a bondholder, your interest earnings are tax exempt. And that, that's, the, that's the magic of this. So that, that's obviously means a lot more income in a bondholder's pocket, whether you're an institutional investor or even someone who has five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars that they might want to put into a few of the bonds. So um, regardless of the project that we're financing, um, that's the premise is uh, making these tax exempt and getting money into the marketplace. Uh, money that MISTA might not have just in its general fund, right? You borrow these over time. Sure, there's still an interest component to that borrowing, but it's over the course of 30 or so years um, and where they can uh, blend their amortization on all their bond issuances so that they have a steady payment stream over the course of a, of a few decades. So, uh, however, um, we are part of a public finance practice group that's within a government policy group here at DICOMA. That includes uh, our government policy advisors, which would be our lobbyists. That also includes our other parts of our jobs, which is advising these clients on how we can make transactions easier or how we can help them with legislation to uh, make more programs available, or even, which we've done in the past, helping with interlocal agreements among agencies to provide more types of housing services or to help them streamline even their review of mortgage applications by making sure they're meeting the requirements of the housing agencies in the, in the federal government. So um, we're able to make that collaboration as a larger group here that, that can even uh, draft legislation if we need to, to try to help uh, expand housing availability or other projects, other public finance projects, uh, especially in Michigan. So one thing that strikes me, Jared, about what you just mentioned is that I need to uh, figure out a way to connect our clients that are doing the development with those public policy advisors in our Lansing office, because I'm sure that they would have many ideas about legislative or policy changes that need to occur. But I also want to just comment, I know you gave some statistics about the numbers and the dollar amounts that we were involved in. Just from the perspective of my practice, I believe last year I closed on about nine affordable housing transactions, which doesn't sound like that many, but they, as I said, they can take anywhere from three months to years. And this year, just to give you an, a, a sense of the, the, the volume, I have 17 affordable housing transactions that need to close in this calendar year. And one of the things that um, has struck me that has changed a bit in in the practice is the um, amount and the the, the the different sources of gap financing that's available to um, these developments they used to be simpler in the sense that we would have you know dollars from the state housing authority perhaps one source from the city and you know maybe some other funding come in now there's really an alphabet soup if you will of federal sources and i'll just mention a few of those that are really prevalent on almost every deal we have arpa funds from the american rescue plan act so 
Those funds were approved during COVID um, and are still available for development projects. They have a time limit, so they have to be spent um, by 2025, I believe. Um, we also have uh, SARA funds, which again is a COVID relief source of financing um, that is also available as a gap financing source. The more traditional sources were community development block grant funds, which are usually available for infrastructure and home investment partnership funds, which are available for um, very flexible costs on a development project are still quite available. We also now have a housing trust fund. Um, we have housing trust fund dollars at the state level and at some local levels that are another source of financing for these transactions. And then two that I'll mention that are um, really city specific that have become important tools is one, um, the city of Ann Arbor, and I think this is unique to the city of Ann Arbor, has um, passed a tax millage um, that is, uh, you know, part of their tax system in the city of Ann Arbor, and it's, it's, a, it's an affordable housing millage. So all of the funds that are generated from that millage have gone into, will go into a fund over the next, I believe it's 15 years or so, that's specifically dedicated to affordable housing. And they've um, designated one of our clients, the Ann Arbor Housing Commission, to implement and help to craft those developments that will be built with that affordable housing millage. And then the city of Detroit has a um, has an inclusionary um, affordable housing sort of zoning law that they passed a few years ago that requires um, any developments, there's some criteria, but basically any developments that are receiving any sort of subsidy from the city or tax incentive are required to have 20% of their units, and this would apply to a market rate development as well as an affordable development, but 20% of the units have to be made available for people at 80% or lower of area median income. And the alternative to complying with that um, requirement is to pay uh, a fee. If a developer says, no, we're just not interested in doing that 20%, um, or, yeah, 20% at 80%, they can pay dollars uh, in lieu of meeting the requirement. So the city has taken those dollars and put them into an affordable housing preservation fund that is, again, available specifically as gap financing for um, affordable housing. So my, my point with this here is that it really um, takes some creativity and some um, knowledge to really keep up with the various sources that are out there um, to support affordable housing. Uh, that's terrific. You know, you'll be interested to know, Rochelle, and, and that will help drive the point home that this isn't scripted. Uh, you know, we represent the city of Ann Arbor, right? I am, I am bond counsel for city of, city of Ann Arbor, and uh, we have uh, assisted them with some of their interpretation questions on that very ballot proposal to help them make sure they're getting as many funds as they can into their housing developments uh, within that city. So it's, it's kind of nice. You, you just made a, an unintentional pitch for Daigama. That's your, you know, holistic solutions for all things housing, right? Uh, uh, with whether it's respect to the federal requirements for financing and, and the various incentives that are available or uh, how we can and have advised various municipalities when they're trying to come up with their own projects, right down to helping them write their ballot proposals 
uh, making sure they're compliant with their charter and getting everything approved properly by their city councils or commissions. So um, it's, it's, it's all here. And, and, if, and if something's not there, then that's when we turn to the legislature with the rest of our team. So, Jared, maybe you want to just mention how important this is in the state of Michigan. I know in the governor's recent State of the State address, she really focused on and highlighted the need for more affordable housing in, in Michigan. That's right. Uh, you know, the governor just set a goal in her State of the State address for 75,000 more units over the next five years uh, and, and noted that since she's taken office, they've rehabilitated around 34,000 units. Uh, the future, looking to invest uh, $1.4 more into either building or rehabilitating housing. So in addition to Ann Arbor, we also represent the city of Lansing. And all of these communities are, are just trying to make their cities more and more attractive for people to invest in and to live. And they have to feel safe and they have to feel like uh, it's a fun place to live and walk around. And uh, access to housing there is, is a key component and an emphasis on a daily basis. There's, that's a lot of money that we're anticipating going into housing, 1.4 billion. And it's going, it takes a long time to spend that money, believe it or not. And, and we have to be ready to help them spend it. Right. And the other thing I just want to point out is that we, we've talked about affordable housing and, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of times people say, how do you define affordable housing? And it's, it's really these days kind of an interesting question in the in, in HUD speak, if you will, it's usually just defined as anyone who's at 60 percent or less of area median income. Lately, there's been some um, effort to have that be 80 percent of area median income. But I want to point out that what we've found is really important is not only that um, we're building housing for low-income people and homeless, many of my clients build housing for formerly homeless individuals, but there's this other um, population out there, and it's been referred to as workforce housing or you know, other types of um, housing. It's the housing that's needed for people who are in kind of low-wage jobs, and um, Mishta to their credit, has established a, a program called the Missing Middle Program, and it kind of is addressing the um, housing that's needed, you know, more for the, the, the folks that are in that workforce housing um, constituency. So not just low-income housing is needed, but there's housing also needed for those people who might work at McDonald's or, you know, even people that are working at, you know, low-wage fixed um, income kind of um, job. So I think that the state is recognizing as well as most of our cities that um, affordable housing is more than just low-income housing. No, that's exceptional. I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, Michigan has an entire department now devoted to attracting people to want to live in Michigan and to stop uh, them from getting their education and, and then departing for other states for various reasons. So uh, it, that starts with young professionals finishing up school and uh, wanting them to settle down and uh, have their roots here in, in our Michigan cities and as they start their career. And uh, on the other hand, the rent in some of these facilities or some of these uh, housing units is, is pretty expensive. So, uh, you know, some of that will, will be fixed with additional supply of housing, right? It's very competitive right now. It's very hard to find housing. Uh, so uh, the more of that that becomes available, it'll become more affordable for young professionals to make this their home. 
So clearly there's overlap between Dykema's public finance practice and our affordable housing practice that's focused um, here in Detroit and throughout the state of Michigan. And we've given you today, hopefully, a you know flavor of both of those um, practice areas and um, hope to speak with you again in the future about even some more um, specific areas that both of us are involved in. But I think for um, today, we want to thank you for joining and I'll see if Jared has any um, final words. I agree. The, the overlaps there, housing is a topic that's here to stay. So I, I foresee we'll be back talking about different hot topics related to housing as they come up and how we can help. But in the meantime, obviously, if, if there are questions, uh, that's what we're here for. And I think between the two of us, we can easily address them or, or get them fixed. So thank you today for joining us. Again, my name is Rochelle Lento, and I'm the Affordable Housing Practice Group Leader here in Detroit. And I'm Jared Smith, uh, Public Finance Practice Group Leader for DICOMA in Lansing, Michigan. We look forward to seeing you next time on Deals and Development.